You're listening to Outlaws and Gunslingers, the only podcast covering all of America's infamous criminals, from the Wild West to the Mafia, all the way up to the ruthless street gangs of today. Brought to you exclusively by the Creative Control Network. Here are your hosts, the Mouthy Michiganders, Bang and Dang. Welcome back to Outlaws and Gunslingers, the most entertaining, the most... <laughs> Electrifying. <laughs> the most accurate, the most... Well... <laughs> <laughs> I get I get discredited us right off the bat. <laughs> no, our information is accurate. Yes. Well, the, yes. right. The most accurate, the most entertaining, the most <laughs> the most the most true to uh, to I guess the average man podcast of any outlaws gunslingers that you're going to find on the intro webs today. And if you notice, past couple episodes, we cleaned it up a bit for you. Yeah. As of this episode, I'm pretty sure we're running on. Three or four. At least three, maybe even four uh, F-bomb-free episodes. F-bomb-free. There's another uh, milestone for us. And we didn't even pick up on the other swear words to make up for it. We really didn't. There's a couple shits and dams and whores thrown in there, but I mean... There ain't swear words. I mean, you gotta have those in a... There ain't swear words. Those at least... Those words at least gotta be in a uh, podcast about outlaws and gunslingers, right? right? All those words are allowed on... uh, Child-friendly programming. I was going to say, all those words are allowed on cable television. So. Sometimes you can say bitch. I think you can say it a couple times, though. They allow it. You can even say the F word. Eh, yeah, but... Not on TV. Yeah, cable. <clears throat> well, yeah, cable. Paramount's on uh, cable, and they were F-bombing it up, and yeah. um, the, what you call it? Yeah. What is that series? Yellowstone. Yellowstone, uh, right. And showing nudity, uh, nudity. Nudity, all that stuff, yeah. Showing so. boobies and booties. <laughs> the two best bees. <laughs> that, that big old booty just going boom, boom, boom. <laughs> yep, like I said, the most entertaining <laughs> and uh, most real, down to earth, average man. Uh, look. Uncensored, uncut, and unfiltered. <laughs> no, well, <laughs> don't stop it. No. <laughs> the best look for an average person. I mean, we just hope you guys are having fun that in your you lives. You can uh, get. Ain't no boring. Um, Don Dillinger, nineteen thirty-four. We're just talking about it. We're just talking about it. We do it. We talk about it. We do it. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's an early earliest reference to our uh, old show we used to do. But um, right. Yes, Outlaws and Gunslingers. This one last week, you're fresh off of Frank Nash, Frank Jelly, Jelly Boy, Jelly Bean Nash. Right. Right. And a lot of information we're learning along with you, buds. Exactly. Well, this one's going to be, like we said, a kind of a two-parter. They're separate guys. This one's Har- Harvey Bailey. Next week, we're going to have... I miss names like that. Wilbur Underhill Jr. Exactly. There's just two names I miss. Wilbur and Harvey. Wilbur. Wilbur Underhill Jr. Even that. Okay, I put Wilbur Will be next week's, but... But Wilbert's cool, too. <laughs> at some point in time, those two formed a gang called the, the Bailey Underhill Gang for a little stretch of both of their lives. Right. But they have so much that they've done apart that they... Uh, Obviously, couldn't be just one episode. Just their three months. I think it was six months. They were actually in a gang together. So, but they did some notorious shit when when they were together. So, people should start naming their children Harvey and Wilbur from now on. Harvey, I'm gonna guess that's very <laughs> down on the list of popular baby names in the year 2021 for males. <laughs> I bet you in like it uh, probably wasn't even pop- it probably in the 80s. There's a lot of Harveys, right? 70s and 80s. Harvey, and we'll see where Harvey and Wilbur's at. <laughs> Not even on the list. But you're not even on the list. 
100 most popular baby names of 2021. All right, Aiden. Aiden Aiken. Oh, Ezra. Ezra. Number one is Oliver. Oliver, huh? For males. And Charlotte? Charlotte. Wow. What? In 2021? Charlotte Flair, man. She's... <laughs> I guess so. Gender neutral, though. Willow, <laughs> obviously. Gender neutral. Hey, there's Willow. your Ezra. Ezra, right. That's what I just said. Declan? Declan. What? Oh, Declan. No, it's Declan. Declan. Declan, number two for male. Theodore. Theodore. Hey. Like early 1900s. We got some teddies going on. Jasper. That's a. That's not a... Jasper's... A... Silas? Dude, What is? what are we going back in time now? Silas? Le- Liam. Liam. Asher? Yeah. Finn? Finn. Yeah. Owen? Asher and Finn sound like dog names. Ethan? Ethan's always been there. Charlotte, Aurora, Violet, Hazel, Luna, Amelia, Aria. Yeah, they got some weird Ava, names. Ava, Scarlet, and Isla. Wow. Um, gender neutral for if you're if that's your thing. Willow, Ezra, Rowan, James. What? <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll disregard that one. Quinn, Logan, Kai. That's like a that's a right. bird's name. I would name my blue parakeet Kai. Yeah. Uh, River, Avery, Luca. Luca's definitely a boy's name. Sorry. If I had a fish, I would name him River. I'd be like, you guys want to check out my river fish? <laughs> Ezra is traditionally a Hebrew, traditionally a Hebrew Hebrew boy's name. Yeah, Ezra. But it's, is but it's guy's growing name. in popularity for girls because of the A ending. Like right. A endings. That's like a that's a Spanish thing, though. Right. Uh, well, folks, this Outlaws and Gunslingers episode was brought to you by Most Popular Baby Names. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 you all be getting uh, uh, a twenty percent, twenty cent uh, discount off a can of Gerber baby food. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we ain't we ain't good enough for Gerber. No, what's, get Gerber? What's, what's the off silicon or what is it called? I don't know. Silac. No, that's formula. Same thing. Siliac or something like that. Similac. Similac, whatever. Similac is formula. Gerber's is baby food. food. Right. All right. You get a, a dollar store you pack of brought, diapers. You get the off-brand. You get the off-brand baby food, whatever the store is. Kroger or some shit. What, best choice or something mm. like that? I'll take it. Great value or something, you know? Right. Well, this one's all about. <laughs> Great value, quality. <laughs> <laughs> Great value. Questionable quality. <laughs> right. That's their slogan. That's their slogan. Great value, <laughs> questionable quality. <laughs> or just quality. <laughs> and somebody goes, eh, whatever. <laughs> It'll do. <laughs> quality. Sweet, only buy the sweet stuff. Quality. It'll do. Yeah, only buy the sweet stuff. Don't buy the peas and all that, because that's going to be some terrible, terrible <laughs> stuff. Oh, the Gunslingers, Harvey Bailey is this episode. John Harvey Bailey was one of the most successful bank robbers of the Depression era, and his career spanned 13 years in several, several states. In several states, huh? Mm-hmm. Bailey actually stole more in his lifetime than John Dillinger, wow. but is less well-known to the people in this world. He's less known. Mm-hmm. He was born in West Virginia on August 23rd, 1887. He grew up on a farm in Sullivan County, Missouri. These guys just traveling. These guys were travelers, dude. That's what all they did. Don't worry about it, because it's not supposed to be there. That's why I skipped it. That's what. That's all I did. It was travel, apparently, Apparently, right? Uh, in several states. Yeah, he was just on the move, right? Right. He grew up in Sullivan County, Missouri, and worked as a fireman on the railroad before joining the Army during World War One. Look at all these Army guys. Yeah, After the time. war, he settled in Chicago, where several of his Army buddies lived. 
those friends were into some highly illegal endeavors. As they and all soon were. soon were enticing him into the fold. Does this word entice so again? <laughs> Frank Nash gets enticed across the border <laughs> this with guy's... a fake pop-up uh, <laughs> bank <laughs> facade. And then this guy's enticed into crime. I wonder what they did. They got uh, some money in front of him. Like, right. This is what we got. Hey. See these speakers? They're yours. <laughs> what are speakers? <laughs> what are speakers? It's 1920. Does it matter? They fell off a truck. <laughs> what? I don't think I can take these. Just think to yourself. You're never going to steal again. This is the last time. Right. At this time, it was the early day of prohibition. Former soldiers were in great demand to provide muscle to the underworld gang known as the Chicago Outfit. Okay, so he's got ties to the old... Chicago outfit and the right. old man himself. Right. Got to make money. That's how I can do it. Mm-hmm. Led by John Torrio and up and coming El Capone. So you got Capone and Torrio. T-O-R-R-I-O. It's Torrio, man. Torrio, Torrio. Spell everything. Yeah, you never know. what It could be Torrio. It's clearly Torrio. It could be Torrio. Torrio. You've covered El Capone and the whole episode is Torrio. However you want to say it. Torrio. Mm. You could say Capone like Capone or Capone. It's not however you want to say it because people's names are their names. What if somebody called you Dong? (laughs) They may not know how to pronounce my name. What if somebody called you Dung? Well, how'd you do that? There's no you. (laughs) Stuff happens. You don't know. Bailey decided to join them and was soon knee deep, knee deep in the, in the liquor smuggling business. Okay. Yeah, Capone and Torrio, they're just running they're stuff just, out. They're 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 thigh deep. If when he's they, knee deep, if he's knee deep, they're right. waist, waist deep. Right. Know? They didn't ask you to help them for no reason. Right. That, uh, we might have work for you. No, no dude, we, we definitely got. have some freaking work for you. <laughs> we got a lot of work. He was driving fast cars Ooh. loaded down with whiskey from Canada to Chicago. Good for him. So this dude's on the run. Apparently, nothing known about his uh. Early life, though, huh? No no brothers, no sisters, no daddy's name, no mama's name about old Harvey Bailey. These guys are secretive. Hmm. Well, Bailey robbed his first bank in 1920, and in December of 1922 was believed to have robbed the Denver Mint. Oh, jeez. Of 200 grand. That's a federal crime. Federal. Don't do that. That's five to ten. Altogether, he robbed some 20 banks. Hey. He meticulously planned his bank jobs, obtaining roadmaps from the county surveyor to learn his getaway routes, and was thought to have been involved in two infamous gangland shootings which we've uh, covered, right. both of these. Right. The St. Valentine's Day Massacre, which was in the Al Capone episode. Chicago. In Chicago. And the all the, we've been talking about the Kansas City uh, Station Massacre for a few weeks now. Again, go look up both of those. You're, I mean, if you're here, if you're here for the bloodshed and the um, the moitas of right. the Outlaws and Gunslingers podcast, then those two episodes are for you. This guy had like a uh, an advantage anyway because he's driving from Canada to Chicago all the time, and he decides to rob banks. And he's like, "I've been driving so many different kind of roads, and now he got maps of all these banks." Oh, it's smart. I wonder who came up. Did he come up with the idea, or was it like a group thing? For what to do these little bank robberies or the mint robbery? And he robbed twenty banks. Yeah, all from well in his career he robbed twenty banks. Oh, not, not while he was no. not while he was uh, no. delivering whiskey. No, that was just like a. This is one that he robbed, but he robbed twenty in his career, pretty much. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, he's believed to have robbed the Denver Mint of two hundred thousand. So that's not even a proven. Right. Hmm. If you you notice, which we'll cover here, with a couple of these guys that are uh, a lot of these. At the same, you got to remember these guys are running around at the same time that Bonnie and Clyde Dillinger, 
Everybody. Nelson, all these guys are running around. So a lot of these guys' crimes, especially the Eddie Bentz guy we'll have in a couple of weeks, his, a lot of his stuff was attributed to those guys that were running around at the time. So right. he never got his just due. Right. You know? right. So These guys, the, the guys before that we did, they were making the most uh, the most noise. Right. right. Killing people. Right. <laughs> That's what, <you> know? <laughs> right. Specifically agents. We had another bank robbie over here. Was there any murders? No. We'll put that in the back <laughs> shelf. <laughs> right. We don't, we don't care about that. <laughs> right. Just money. <laughs> it's just money. It's just money. It's fine. They'll do it again. <laughs> we'll, we'll find them eventually. Eventually, but right now we got to focus on these guys. Murderous. Murderous. And plus, they got more money we can take. <laughs> <laughs> well. However. However. There was never any concrete evidence placing them at either scene. Hey. See? Bailey was also one of the last outlaws to join the Ma Barker gang, who we've also color- covered. Man. The Carpus Barker gang, if yeah. you want to go look up that episode. And it he, says the Ma Barker gang. <laughs> the Ma Barker, yeah. Cause, and he threw cold water on the legend of the old gal as a criminal mastermind when he told author L.L. Edge for his book, Run the Cat Roads. He told him this. The old woman couldn't plan breakfast. Mm-mm. When we'd sit down to plan a bank job, she'd go in the other room and listen to Amos and Andy or Hillbilly music on the radio. Billy found laughable the idea that the Barkers, Elvin Carpus, and Frank Nash and other professionals would depend on Ma Barker to plan their crimes. Right. She may have been overly indulgent, protective, and possessive of her sons and would harbor their friends from the law. In return, they treated her regally, kept her in fancy, like you said right. in the actual episode, kept her in fancy clothes, right. cars, without her questioning the source. Ah, so, this took ah, care of, right. so, like I said in the episode, she didn't know what they were even doing. Ah, uh, she knew. Ah, uh, she but never, not really. She never questioned the source of their prosperity, right. according to but, uh, Harvey. But she knew. However, however, the image of Ma Barker as a cunning, ruthless gang leader appears to be as exaggerated as the largely mythical exploits of Belle Star, to whom she has also often been compared, which we will cover her, too. Right. Uh, that's, that's so exactly what I said in yeah. the uh, Barker Carpus episode is but she probably don't even know what the hell's going on. She's the boss of the family, was they seen, you know, everybody was she's like, my. not. She don't even know what's going on. Like, oh, oh where the, am I getting these cars I'm from? saying the boss of the family of family. sons. Yeah. That's it. That's it. The family. You know, where everybody's, oh, if you say something in front of my, she's coming, belt you a good Maybe one. Maybe with a shoe or something. Right. But no, not no criminal mastermind or... Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre mother type deal. Right. I don't believe anything like that. Right. And if so, what are you going to do? No daddy around. Clearly not, right? 1931. His gang robbed the Lincoln National Bank in Lincoln, Nebraska. They escaped with an estimated $1 million in cash. (laughs) Following the heist, he is said to have hidden the loot on a farm near Richmond, Illinois where he had been hiding out. Bailey supposedly never retrieved the stolen money, and to this very day, no one knows what happened to the million dollars. It would have been found by now. Who knows? Money does deteriorate unless it's safe, it's true. wrapped, and uh, oh, it was. preserved. I doubt it. Right. Well, it was tough to keep Bailey behind bars, as any uh, gangster who we demonstrated that already. He was incarcerated in the Kansas State Prison on July 8, 1932, and escaped on June 1, 1933. Nice. During a breakout in which the warden and two guards were kidnapped and used as human shields. <laughs> Among those included in this jailbreak included fellow outlaws Wilbur Underhill Jr., Jim Clark, Frank Sawyer, Ed Davis, and Robert Big Bob Brady. Dang, Robert Big Bob Brady. Robert Big Bob Brady. Many of these men later became members of the gang headed by himself and Underhill. Why wouldn't you? As they set off on a crime speed lasting a little over six months. I mean, it's like all those guys, all those, all those guys owed him his life. Pretty much, right? Or his life, their life, right? 
They're like, dude, I, uh, you're our boss now. <laughs> Whatever you tell us to do, we're going to do over the next six months. Well, pretty sure in this one, uh, <laughs> Wilbur Underhill was actually the mastermind of that uh, breakout. Yeah, Underhill's smart mofo. As we'll uh, see in Underhill's episode. I mean, we, if, if your name's Wilbur. Right. I mean, you got to compensate for something, right? Almost two weeks after their escape, June 16th, he and Underhill led a robbery of a bank in Black Rock, Arkansas. The very next day, Underhill and Bailey were among several fugitives wrongly named as participants in the Kansas City Massacre. Wrongly, you hear that? He wrongly. Never was there. A failed attempt to free Frank Nash from that's... police custody, that's what happened there, resulting in the deaths of Frankie Nash, which mm-hmm. we just l- learned last week, right. and the four lawmen guarding him, mm-hmm. which we also learned last week. Mm-hmm. The gang continued its activities and robbed $11,000 from a bank in Clinton, Oklahoma. Oh, good for them. Even though they're under suspicion of doing this massive uh, right. assassination of officers like, and stuff. We didn't do that. They're telling everybody as they're walking to the bank, as soon as they get into the bank, give, give me your me money. money. <laughs> <laughs> and walk out, I can't believe you guys. You guys are noble people like right. noble gentlemen like us. Dude, come here and buy your alcohol. And- I like how all of our outlaw <laughs> voices are always. Um, <laughs> A Western, even though we, we haven't <laughs> right. done a Western episode. I, I in go like to your saloons, I, I buy your alcohol, pay for your whores, <laughs> right. put some money in this town, and you accuse me of this. Well, <laughs> unfortunately for old Harvey, on August 12, 1933, police, while searching for Kelly for the kidnapping of Oklahoma oil tycoon Charles Urschel, they descended on the Paradise, Texas farm belonging to the family of Kelly's wife, hey. where Bailey was sleeping. Oh, no. He visited there. He was like, I need a place to sleep. Right. Well, the lawman assumed Bailey was small fry, but found $500 of the Urschel ransom money and realized they had captured old Harry. Uh-oh. Who was known to the FBI. So they were didn't even know that they were uh, collecting a so-called wanted guy from the Kansas City Massacre. But they found $500, which we uh, discovered in... The Barker Carpus um, right. um, episode that that money was marked, right. so they knew. Mm. I love how all these stories that we're doing, they all come together at some point. Mm-hmm. So great. Man, when you tell a good story. Right. He was sent to Dallas County Jail. Mm-hmm. September 4th, 1933, he escaped the escape-proof skyscraper jail by bribing a jailer, Thomas L. Mannion, to smuggle him a pistol and two saws. He's like, hey, can you give me a pistol and two saws? Right. Thomas is like, I don't know, man. He's like, "Mm, I'll bring you with me. He's like, all right. Mannion and Bailey then took turns sawing through the bars. Dang, so he had a a jailer helping him saw through the bars. That's pretty loud. (laughs) 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 What's that noise? Nothing. Can't cough for this long. And we're like, dude, you've been <laughs> coughing for like an hour straight, nonstop. What's going on here? Anyway, Manning and Bailey took turns sawing through the bars, and soon an armed Bailey was on the loose, and he got a hostage, another jailer named Nick Tresp. Mm. Well, Manning and a civilian, Grover C. Bevel, who had furnished the hacksaws, were later convicted of aiding Bailey's escape and sentenced to two years and 14 months, respectively. Why wouldn't you? Bailey, uh, Bailey had his own version of the escape. See, he says he would claim in later years that Mannion brought him the gun and saws of his own accord, uh, likely plotting to shoot Bailey during the jailbreak and claim a reward. Uh, there is some truth that backs us up as Mannion wanted to run for sheriff. Okay. And when Bailey, he says that when he uh, left with his hoshes in a getaway car, he spotted Mannion and Bevel waiting in ambush, so he headed in the opposite direction. So Mannion said, no, he bribed me. 
but it was actually Mannion, according to Bailey, that came to him and was like, "Hey, man, I'm, I can get you this. Mm. I can get you this pistol and these two hacksaws." And then little did, and then yeah, and then just, wanting to turn it around on him to be the one that killed him. But they could just killed him and then created a own little thing. No, he's in jail already. Why would they kill him in jail? They wanted to, he wanted him to escape so he could be the one that captured him because he wanted to run for sheriff. I guess because he ain't gonna be able to say, "Hey, man, you gave me this." Right, makes sense. Hmm. Probably, man, dirty cocksuckers. I, mean, I don't, I don't, I don't. Uh, is cocksuckers is as offensive as? The F word, or I think so. I think it might be right. I think it is. We're gonna have to, uh, uh, yeah, we're gonna edit that out, guys. Sorry. Well, we're not. So he decided to go the other way, right? Right. And he got out. It's got a little bit of merit to that. I don't know why. I always find myself believing the lion thieving, murdering bank robbers over. But but what's the difference with the cops? They're all the same. Lion thieving, murderers. And most of the times, it's true that the right. Well, we've we've established how dirty the popos are already. What do the criminals have to lose? Right. By telling the truth. Right. Nothing. Exactly. So, yeah, I tend to believe it more, too. Mm-hmm. Anyhow. He robbed his last bank in Kingsfisher, Oklahoma, on 9th of September, 1933, with the Bailey Underhill gang. And soon after, he was recaptured for the 4th of September, 1933, Dallas jailbreak. He was found guilty of complicity in the Urschel kidnapping and was sentenced to life in prison on the very day of October 7th, 1933. As it turned out... Old Harv. Old Harry. Old, old Harv. That's Harv. Old Harv. I said Old Harry last <laughs> night. Did. I did. Why did I say it? It does look like it. doesn't even have a look like a like, at off. You, you think the bottom got cut yeah, off. Yeah, I know. I was like, what Why did it cut off? Old Harv. Okay. Old Harv. Old, I was wondering. It sounded weird that it was Old Harry. Why is it Old Harry? <laughs> <laughs> With a one R, too. Right, right. Old Harry. Old Harry. Old Harry. Old Harv. Okay, that makes Old Harry. It's like an oil or something. Makes a lot more sense. <laughs> As it turned out, old Harve had nothing to do with the Urschel kidnapping. Uh, he was in the wrong place at the very wrong time. Yeah, well, I told you the cash that Bailey had the ba- the cash Bailey had from the ransom money was actually a repayment of a debt from Kelly, which Bailey did not know its origin. Right. Nonetheless, it was mm-hmm. a high profile crime, and old J. Edgar Hoover wanted justice done, and he got it. He's under a lot of Although, pressure from um, from Washington. It was although it was misplaced in Bailey's case and a lot more cases. Right. Well, Bailey was sentenced under the new federal kidnapping laws that had a mandatory sentence of life. Oh. While he was guilty of laundry list of crimes, he was innocent of this one, though. Wow. So no kidnapping. Mm, no kidnapping He's like, here. You, you escaped that one, bud. Just after the Lindbergh incident. Yeah. Right. They were, they were cracking down on the old kidnapping. Maybe the judge is like, you know what? Most criminals like you, after they run out of crimes... They resort to stealing people. <laughs> yeah, they ain't got nothing left. They stole everything but people. Yeah, they nap them. I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> they kid. They kid. Yeah, kidnap. <laughs> kidnap. Yeah, you didn't do that. Much obliged, sir. Mm-hmm. Bailey was originally sent to Leavenworth. Of course he was. Then he was transferred to Alcatraz okay. on the 1st of September, 1934. He was returned to Leavenworth in 1946, so he spent 12 years in Alcatraz, huh? After, when did it close down? It was later on. Yeah, yeah, when believe, people yeah. drowned. Did, 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 did. Uh, he returned to Leavenworth in 1946 and transferred uh, in 1960 to uh, 1960 to Siegelville Federal Correctional Institution in Texas. Siegelville. Hmm. That's a weird name. Siegelville. 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 I bet it's like a little tiny, little stupid town. The only thing keeping it going is the prison. It's a federal correction institution, so. Where he remained until 1962, so he went there for two years. And then he was sent to Kansas State Penitentiary to serve time for escape, 
when he was there in 1933. I mean, I guess they it's cool. They sent him all over the world. Right. They sent him all over the country. You're going to save right. time for this, for this, for this, for this. Right. Well, that's cool. You don't have to waste your life away in the same cell for right. 80 years. He's get to travel the country. Well, because the Kansas State Penitentiary obviously wasn't a federal crime, so right. he couldn't be in a federal prison. He had to go to the state prison. So he got to travel. Where Leavenworth and right. uh, Siegelville is federal. It's nice. Good for him, man. Mm-hmm. Got to see the outside world for a couple of days good between right. prison visits. Right. like it. And permanently. Yeah. Once Harvey was released. Oh, that's you. Well, he was released in uh, oh. March 31st, 1965, where he permanently saw the light of day. <laughs> ah. Well, once he was released, E.E. E. Kirkpatrick who had delivered the Urschel ransom money, and Herschel himself tried to make things right by providing financial support for Bailey. So even Herschel's like, dude, this guy wasn't even involved in this. I got, you know, and he's, right. now he's wrongfully convicted for it. No. In fact, while he was still in prison, Kirkpatrick had tried to help Bailey with his unsuccessful parole request in 1958, writing as follows. Bailey had nothing to do with the Urschel kidnapping. We all know that. He was unlucky enough to be hiding at the Shannon farm, he says. Yeah, I mean, he might have got charged with the wrong crime, but... He karma came back and bit him in None the booty. It, I don't think any of his crime he did warranted a life sentence that the that's true. What you call it got him? Well, he, he did get transferred to different prisons for other criminal offenses, right? Wait, did he not serve his life sentence? See, we got a little hole gap here. No, life doesn't. He didn't get a life sentence because he didn't get charged with kidnapping. No, Bailey was sentenced under the new federal kidnapping laws at a mandatory sentence of life. While he was guilty of the laundry list of crimes, he was innocent of the kidnapping charges. Oh, right, still right, right. Yeah, that. sentenced to life, yeah. But he was originally sent to Levensworth in 1934. Well, he did 30 years, and he probably got... I mean, life sentence is only 25, right? Yeah, he did 30. 30... 60. He did 25 years. Yeah, he did 25 years. He did 25 years, and then where he was sent to the other one, actually did more than 25 in federal until 62. Yeah, he did 30, 31 years. Yeah. I guess that would be a life sentence then, right? Wow. I don't know if they had the... 25 is life, right? My, I mean, Whatever the life sentence is. Yeah, I would say. Hmm. Look at this guy. Good for him. Look at this guy. Survived it. October 1966, after a year-long courtship, Bailey married Esther Farmer, okay. the widow of Herbert Ellen Deffy Farmer, whose family operated a well-known safe house in southwest Missouri. For all the outlaw gangs that roamed the Midwest. Midwest. <laughs> Midwest. <laughs> Uh, whose family operated a well-known safe house in southwest Missouri for all the outlaw gangs that roamed the Midwest during the 20s and 30s. So this guy was like, you come here, you're safe, bud. Right. You're safe in my house. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take care of you in this house. You'll be safe. You'll be safe. What, is this like a here. safe house? No, don't you ever say that. Here in southwest Missouri. Yeah, here in safe west Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> Deffy Farmer was also one of Kansas City Massacre conspirators. Oh, jeez. Oh, really? And close confidant of the Barker gang. Confidant. Right, confidant. You're my friend and my confidant. Think you will be in my brain. Right, and his best bud was particularly Fred Barker. Right. He's like, listen here, guy. Well, makes sense. We can do some things. We can do some things here, particularly a massacre. <laughs> particularly. Particularly. Well, 1973, author J. Evitz Haley wrote a biography of Haley titled, what well, damn, Haley on Haley, huh? That's <laughs> just what it should have been. Right. Haley on Haley. Yeah. But instead it was titled, Robin Banks Was My Business, The Story of J. Harvey Bailey. Nice. Bailey was interviewed extensively and provided a wealth of information, even though his memory was spotty in places. I mean, it makes sense. He's like 80 right here or something, right? At least. Um, the book is rare with autographed copies in fine can get condition going for in excess of $1,000. 
In fact, only seven libraries in the country have a copy for circulation. Mm. Wow. Well, Bailey died on March 1st, 1979 in Joplin, Missouri, and his wife passed away in 1981. Wow. Both are buried in the same grave at Forest Park Cemetery in Joplin. Long lives. So we get a couple criminals with long lives. So he was born... 1887, you said it was? 1887, he died in 79, so he was almost 100 years old, dude. 92. 92. Hey, that's a hell of a life. And he served... He did. 30-some years in prison. From 60... From 60 to 79, so he lived damn near 20 years, which is a whole nother life, pretty much. All right. Who knows what he did in those 20 years. Right. At this time, he's already 60, 70 years old when he gets out of prison. Jeez, dude. Can you imagine that? This dude had a whole life in the 20s to 30s just... Wasted. A whole lifetime of stuff that nobody will ever witness in their whole lives. Right. In a 15-year span or 13-year span, whatever it was. And then spends another 30, 40 years in prison. Right. And then spends another 20-whatever years out of prison before he dies. That is Mm. just... That's three different lives right there. Right. Four, if you want to include his childhood. Right. Isn't that nuts? That is some crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. stuff. That boy seen some things. Yes, sir. And, and some with... knowledge behind those forehead. Mm-hmm. Well, it's in the ground now, but. Right. That was all about Harvey Bailey. Tune in next week for the kind of companion episode about Wilbur Underhill, where we'll have actually a little bit more into the escapades of the. Yeah, it seems like Wilbur was more of the uh, outgoing guy of the b- group. Well, Wilbur was definitely the uh, more known, more badass one of the group. Right. Put it that way. Harvey was a mastermind. We'll have a little bit more of the Bailey Underhill gang excerpts as well as uh, Wilbur's life. He did uh, a little bit more than Bailey. So uh, that'll be next week. Then Eddie Bentz, who's also interesting, will be the week after that. And then uh, it's anybody's guess what's going to happen after that. Who knows? Rocco Perry. (laughs) (laughs) Rocco Perry. If you guys like... uh, Bill Hill. Bill Hill. Bill Hill. If you guys like uh, random talking crap back and forth, kind of like we did in this episode, go check out The Bang and Dang Show, wherever you get your podcast, where we literally talk about everything and everything, sports, politics, movies, music news anything in between there anything and everything and then if you guys are wrestling fans go check out the monday night war chalong war where we uh went back from the very first episode of nitro good for and we watched both main events of raw and nitro (laughs) and we've so far 104 weeks in we're approaching mid 97 we're right around the corner actually our next episode we're going to record is kane's debut at bad blood in 97 so gotta uh, be that's gotta be game! And we're right around the corner from the Montreal Screwjob, Sting and Hogan at Starcade, and oh, the, man. The, the greatest year in wrestling. In, uh, Bret Hart, uh, Bret Hart coming to WCW? What? Right. Got a lot of stuff on the horizon there. And if you guys are Goldberg. interested in stupid crime stuff, hmm. we do a scripted slash improvised series of uh, two private investigators named Lee Danker and Corey Spondit where Lee Danker and Corey Spondit investigate crazy, wacky private eye cases, and uh, that's good stuff lee and cory on the case over there if you're into comedy and you want to gut busting stuff that's all the stuff we do you can follow this show on twitter at ogmm podcast you get all the updates everything that's where you keep up with us on social media over there and for now we'll be back next week for wilbur underhill wilbur jr underhill jr, jr. with mouth of michiganders with bang dang mm-hmm.